The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Welcome to Spectrumly Speaking. I'm Haley Moss, an attorney, artist, author, and autistic self-advocate. And today I'm joined here by... I'm Dr. Lori Butts. I'm a psychologist and attorney, mainly practicing as a forensic psychologist. How have you been? Good. How about you? Busy. I went to the CARD conference this past week, so I got to learn and connect with professionals in the autism field all over the state of Florida. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. And next week I get to go off to, I think it's next week. I get to go off to Tallahassee to go help lobby and things like that too. So it's really exciting. I'm on the road a lot. And oh, I got to tell you something else really cool. So I know throughout the show, listeners might've heard before that I was the subject of a documentary. And yesterday we got our first trailer and it premieres on February 7th. I keep thinking it's the 6th, but it's February 7th at NYU. And when I have a full film to show you guys, I will do my best to do so. But that's what's going on here. And honestly, I may or may not have cried watching it. (laughs) I've seen it a lot of times. And the first time I saw this trailer, I've never seen the full film yet. Full disclosure. Okay. I'll see it with everybody else. But when I saw this trailer, I was like, this is so weird. There is a person who like looks like me, sounds like me, <laughs> walks around with my name and talks to people, but that is not me. <gasps> and then I kind of hit this like ex- I hit this like acceptance point like it me. And I think I'm going to have the same experience in New York. I'm going to be like here is someone who's using my apartment, using my name, talking <laughs> to all my friends, my family, my colleagues and nope, nope, not me. Because you know how if you ever see yourself in pictures or on film, you, you're like, do I really look and sound like that? Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. That's really great. Well, are you proud of the person that you see? And the- I, I, I think so. I mean, honestly, every time I see myself on film or anything, I think I look a lot more important than I am. <laughs> because I'm like, I'm st- cause I still have this belief and, and something I think we might want to address in a future guestless episode as well. You sit there thinking, I don't know. I feel like I'm just some kid with like impo- imposter syndrome or right. also like the, even now not practicing law. Sometimes I go through the, I must've failed as a lawyer because I'm not practicing feeling. Mm. And there's kind of that feeling too. And I know it's not true, but I still have that doubt in a way. Right. Yes, I definitely think it's something for- I think a, that's a whole a other episode. Here. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Maybe when we go guest list next time. Yes. We could, talk about my, we could talk about my feelings because as I like to joke with you, my, <laughs> our guest list episodes feel like really good therapy sessions. So, <laughs> but, I'm here for you. <sighs> but today is not about me and my problems. <laughs> we do have a wonderful show in store for you. And one of our guests, in fact, is a psychotherapist. So it might not be a psychotherapist. It might not be a therapy session for me, but hopefully we all get to learn something that we can use and learn from in our everyday lives. So today our guest is Finn Gratton. Finn Gratton is a transgender and autistic psychotherapist working in the San Francisco Bay Area. Their clinical work, teaching, and writing are focused on the intersections of trauma, neurodiversity, and gender. They recently published a book supporting transgender autistic youth and adults, a guide for professionals and families. Welcome to the show, Finn. 
Thank you. Glad to be here. I am glad you're here too. I think this is such a wonderful chapter for Spectrumly Speaking. I'm really excited that we are having more diverse voices as time goes on as well. And I am so glad that we are able to have a conversation with you. As we always like to start, how did you become involved in the autism community? Um, well, I'm sure you've talked about this before. But it's a little hard to define what is the autism community, but um, <laughs> I give you a little bit of my journey. It's the trans community and the autism community. Um, and they, uh, I think, you know, like many people, uh, because my, my characteristics or traits were accepted as just kind of quirky Finn, um, it took having family members that I loved and that I was trying to figure out how to understand and support better to start getting the information that said, that told me that I fit as autistic, that that, that made sense. Um, and that wasn't easy. That's, you know, the common imposter syndrome of I know people didn't diagnose me. I am 50 years old or 40 years old. There was a lot of time that I would say that I have sensory processing issues. I, I think very differently. Um, and that was also similar to my trans identity because um, I've always identified as somebody who was, um, and I never really fit in as female or as male. And those were the options then. So it took quite a while before uh, a non-binary identity was something that could be reflected back to me, that I could say that and people go, right, we know what that means. Uh, so my involvement in the autism community or my involvement in autistic issues came through both my, my work as a, as a family member, my, my desire to be a better, better person in my loved, people, loved ones' lives, um, and my um, work as a, as a therapist, uh, which I came to later in my life. I went back to school in 45. So that's, that was my, that's the simple version of my journey. Well, my, my question was, can you explain a little bit more about your journey as a trans, did it parallel your journey as a transgender person with, with your journey with autism? Were they parallel paths? Were they divergent paths? I think they were very parallel paths. I think they're very related to each other. Um, I think there's something about being autistic and um, being less, um, uh, less conditioned by society that allowed me to continue to be true to what felt like who I was, who I am and who I was. Um, and so the, I came out to most people and to my clients as both at the same time. Um, and they, they, I think that's, that's reflected by a, a number of other trans autistic people who would say, it's just so interwoven into um, my my autistic and my trans identity, they're so woven together, it's really hard to take them apart. That's a great segue into my questions as well, as you actually wrote a book, and I'd love to get to know more about your book, and you wrote about supporting transgender autistic people for professionals and families. So can you tell us a little bit more about your book? Sure, I'd love to tell you more about my book. Um, I wrote this book, I, I'm as a therapist, um, I participate 
monthly and in case consultations I, with trans with people who provide for trans care for youth and adults and I, and I participate in a lot of conferences and it would come up again and again and I was a fairly new therapist uh, to start with um, that the hardest cases people were dealing with um, a lot because they didn't really have training in or understanding of the autistic experience was trans autistic folks. Um, and I kept having something to say about that. And it, I realized that that voice was valuable and I thought that there would be other people doing this work and there were actually very few doing this work and some of whom were, who were doing some research. I really, I, it, I found some issues in their, in their, their research or their explanations that um, I found problematical. So I ended up giving more and more workshops uh, and consultations and, were, and was getting many, many requests for um, care for trans autistic people in the San Francisco Bay Area and for consultation more than I could do. And um, autistic burnout was about to happen. Uh, I was exhausted from that and just it just hurt. I could see people not getting the care they needed and there were many times people would get to me and they had spent years getting sent the wrong way and it was it was devastating so when I got the opportunity to write the book it was in hope that this would reach out a lot further and do work that I can't just do one at a time in my office or even in a consultation um, maybe if you ask <laughs> I need specific questions sometimes so maybe if you so I don't, I either talk not at all or on and on and on. <laughs> hey, I appreciate, hey, look, this, this podcast is half autistic run. I very much appreciate a good info dump and love when people are super passionate about what they're talking about. So I can listen to you all day long and I will not judge. Okay. Just, we have a podcast. Just so you know, like that's the kind of environment that I hope that we're able to create here is that people, if you have something that you're super passionate about, I want to hear all about it. Exactly. Great. I think other people will understand and respect that same passion and the fact that we have guests who are passionate about what they do and their own journeys just makes it so much more enriching to listen to. Great. Okay. So I'll give you a little bit about, you know, what I cover in the book. Um, I tried to set this book up to be accessible to people who are providing gender care, people who are providing care for um, autistic folks and um, uh, trans autistic people themselves and their families. Um, there is kind of guidance on both resources and next steps to take at the end of each chapter, um, which was, um, and giving steps to me was a way to keep people getting swamped by this is just a very, this is so hard when you're able to do something, then it, it gives us some hope. Um, so um, there is a very large overlap uh, between trans and autistic folks, similar to me. They, they feel very interwoven to many people. Um, there's ongoing research about how big that overlap is. At some point, that became less of a concern for me. Um, 
each study is, you know, defines trans people a little differently before it never included non-binary people and non-binary people are a huge part of the trans autistic picture. Um, so those numbers were much less valid. Sometimes it was parents report of youth. Often it didn't get to adults. Um, but we're, we're coming to maybe 15% kind of in each direction. Um, so maybe 15% of autistic people are trans, maybe 10. Uh, and that number is a moving target. Maybe 15% uh, of trans people are autistic. So both directions. It's a, and um, as it becomes easier and easier for people to be reflected and to come out as with anything, as with neurotypical, with cis, with cis you know, with the neurotypical population that they, um, more people will come, will come out until we reach what is whatever the true incidence of transgender people and um, autistic folks. Much of the, at the beginning, people were saying, why is this there, this overrepresentation? That's what they would call it, an overrepresentation of um, autistic people in the trans population. What? And um, theories were made by predominantly cisgender and always neurotypical people that this was an overrepresentation, that these weren't truly autistic people, that this was because they would they would pick an autistic characteristic like sensitivity to fabrics and say you know maybe they were preferring these soft flowing fabrics or something which didn't explain the trans masculine people um or that this was rigid thinking or obsessive thinking and they would get fixated on on gender or perhaps weren't able to um distinguish um the nuances of gender or something um, a, a researcher at Vrije University in Amsterdam, Rubes Walsh, who's who's also in the the neurodiver um, neurodivergent community, also in um, trans community, um, did a lot of statistical research about these assignations of um, autistic characteristics to quote overrepresentation and came with the, that it's more likely that it's about the social conditioning not sticking on autistic people so much. And we're actually seeing in the autistic community a, rep, a, a trans incidence um, that is more representative of what it would be in the neurotypical community if they weren't socialized, if they weren't um, so susceptible to socialization. So does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Definitely. So um, that's an important piece to get out because many times providers would, would do a wait, would really be waiting saying, you know, these autistic peop trans people are not acting like our typical trans people. They aren't so binary perhaps, or they aren't willing to dress in a certain way, perhaps because they didn't like the clothing to dress in that way. It, it was uncomfortable. Um, or they aren't talking. They're not taking on the social roles. Um, they're just being themselves and saying, I'm um, transmasculine, I'm transfeminine, I'm this, I'm somewhat fluid, I'm 
a guy, you know, whatever they would say, um, but not do all the things that society wants you to do to look like and act like a man or a woman or a boy or girl. Um, so that's a piece of it, just explaining what is, what is the way autistic people present, which can be a, a big range, but tends to not be as socialized. Sometimes autistic people will really try to do it the way that neurotypical people want to see it because of masking, because of emulating, trying to get people to believe them. Uh, but many times I'd have parents come going, I don't, you know, I don't really believe that this is a real thing because they're still doing this or they're doing this or they like that. Um, so, so that's that piece. Um, I kind of want to talk about Please interrupt me if you have a question, because I know we'll run out of time. Okay. I kind of. <laughs> oh, I, I always have questions. I, I, that's part of. That's the problem. Both of us are trained as attorneys. I'm sure both of us have questions at any given time. Okay. Well, uh, just just so, say I have a question. I actually do. I actually do have saying. a question. So thank you for okay. giving me a good reason to ask. My question is actually, what advice do you have for our listeners that might be transgender or non-binary and need support? Oh, okay. My first is um, look for um, people who are trained to serve trans folks. Um, and that means beyond a one-day training because it takes a fair amount of training to, to um, one, understand the multitude of issues school, developmental family stuff, medical things. And the other is, even if you're trans, but especially if you're cisgender, meaning you're the, the gender you were assigned at birth matches your own experience. Even if you are cisgender, if you're cisgender, you don't realize your cisgender bias. Um, and so it takes a while to undo that and realize um, the many ways that trans people experience discrimination and microaggressions and how much that affects the therapeutic experience. So um, it takes, so one is look to, you know, kind of plug for the book, but there's just so little out there that having the book and being able to take this to people in different places because the book's organized in different areas and say, this is what I need around health for me as a trans autistic people, as far as uh, support around my family. So the, the book Supporting Trans Autistic Youth and Adults that I wrote is gonna be really helpful there. Um, it's so much work. Um, there's so much education and as an autistic person, even more, you get exhausted from educating others. So if you have some things that you can print out and show people, that's helpful. I think a lot of my, when I got my real big charge to, to do something was when a, a trans autistic person <clears throat> kind of didn't quite kill themselves, but it was kind of suicide by cop. It's a little hard to tell, but they were having a meltdown because they're, therapist had told them that they couldn't start they wouldn't write the letter you need a letter to get from a therapist in most states to start hormones uh, but certainly for surgeries um, and the therapist who was a trans providing therapist said they wouldn't write the letter until they had fixed their autism 
and they just it would they had waited so many years and they lost it and then somebody called on suicide call and then the police came and they were threatened and they had a knife in their hand it was threatening and then the police killed them um and i went that wouldn't have happened if the therapist knew that wouldn't have happened if um if better information was was out and i and i knew that there weren't people teaching people this information. Um, so that's a start on what trans people can do. Um, and also go online and look on like uh, Tumblr, on various social media sites, uh, Facebook, and look for, depending on your age, what you use and look, you know, on the trans, look trans, autistic, neuroqueer, those kinds of handles and talk to other people who are in similar experiences, which is really supportive. That's a good start on where to start. After after I hang up, I'll think about something else. I think that's a lot of really good <laughs> advice though, especially because I know for a lot of our cisgender or type viewers as well, we don't always know and we're not always educated on these issues. So I always am grateful that we have people who are experts who are trained and also who do have the experience of being non-binary and trans who are able to point us in the right direction. So. I always say with, in general, with activism or advocacy, you have to kind of know when to sit down and shut up. And when it comes to trans and non-binary experiences as a cis woman, that is my time to sit down and shut up. So thank you for ed educating me. I know you've definitely educated a lot of our viewers today. And I know that we will certainly have to have you back to keep talking about these issues and these specific concerns regarding the trans and non-binary communities, as well as the autistic community. So just because I know our listeners might also have questions for you and might have also learned a lot. How can they get in contact with you? How can they learn more about the work that you're doing? Um, you can contact me through my website, grattenpsychotherapy.com. Uh, that's easy, easiest place to do that. Um, or my email is grattenpsychotherapy at gmail. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot for the autistic community to do. Um, mm -hmm. There's around trans things. And I, I think I quickly plug that is just really look at your language, look at your accessibility, inclusivity around trans people, you know, from bathrooms at conferences to language you use rather than ladies and gentlemen or talking men and women, talk about folks and everyone, you know, things like that. I like that a lot. I've been trying to get more folks and humans in there when I can. And then I'm like, yeah, I mean, or I guess because I also went to school and Gainesville, I'm still used to y'all. So, <laughs> but I think that's a good, I like that tip a lot is to get more away from the ladies and gentlemen thing, because it is a lot more exclusive of people than we think it is. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, I think Finn hit on some very important, the most important basic um, place is education, 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 education. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's going to take a lot of time. I mean, um, just educating, you know, the general population about autism is taken a long time. And now educating the general pop population about transgender issues is taking a long time. And then the combination, I think, um, again, is going to take a long time. So it's um, it's an uphill educational battle at the basic base at the fundamental basic level. I think 
as I as I've participated in both trans and autistic communities, something that's come up a lot is in the trans community, the emphasis is on people um, being their authentic self, particularly around um, you know in psychotherapy and education and um, to for trans folks you you need to be to figure out we need to support you in being who you truly are and the autistic community um, that's true in parts of the autistic community but in education and psychology it's often support to be somebody you're not they're trying to oh. emulate neurotypical people how to look somebody in the eye whatever the things are and so it's a it's a big difference um, to be to make that shift to what we're, to we're supporting your authentic expression right in every way in your autistic way as well as your trans identity and getting getting mixed messages right can be so confusing um mm -hmm. be yourself I, don't be yourself right 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 how do you navigate that that's 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 really uh a subtle but very uh profound insight that's gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be thinking about that all day. What else can, can from an advocacy standpoint um, and supportive standpoint, can people do? I think, you know, one of the biggest things to do is have people s speak and participate um, and find out what's keeping them from being able to participate. With autistic people, you know, there's the sensory issues, there's, you know, maybe cognitive processing, there's, there's, um, and for trans people, it's like, will you misgender me? Will you uh, make a space for me? So find out what's keeping them from there and from being there. And I think one of the biggest things that keeps people from participating um, is their story is not a pretty story. It's not a success story. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm a participant in the slam poetry community, which welcomes like, your story is not pretty. Um, you are suffering. There's a lot of trauma in both experiences. There's developmental trauma and uh, mm. um, bullying and violence right. um, and um, the in constant microaggressions and community trauma, like you know your people get killed. There's, right. the tr there's the difficulty of getting a job. And we hear like these people who are doing something, but it's still true that 70 something percent of people don't have a job. And the numbers are the same in the trans community. People are not, there is no protection from discrimination for trans people in most places. There are in some cities, some places, in some job sites, um, but they don't have to really say that's why they fired you. Um, so to have people's voices who are not just the the pretty picture, I think is important and to, to work on what their goals are and what their goals are for advocacy, uh, which may be social change more. So I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, in speaking and presenting to be able to bring in and surveys, anything, bring in voices of people who are suffering um, which definitely includes, you know, people of color in both communities are the most um, um, impacted by every kind of oppression because they've got additional additional intersections. This is such a complex area. I know. Um, I feel. I feel like I'm just taking it all in. Like I feel like normally I would have something to just jump in and add, and it's just a lot to process. At least for right. me. Right. Um, so I know I will probably have questions after the fact, and especially when the episode airs and. 
we get to read a transcript as well, I know I will be like, oh my God, I should have asked about this, this, and this. Right. Right. There's, there's, when I wrote the book, when I proposed the book, it had many chapters that were like the trauma of this and a publisher went, that's just too much trauma. I said, sorry, there's a lot right. of trauma. And right. I, just, I just renamed the chapters to other things and, uh, and had an illustrator for each chapter to kind of lighten, to you know, make it less yeah. dense. But there's that, that's, that we have to understand when someone experiences that many different that much different trauma of course they're going to come with some stress and we need to uh, we need to make room for that and and have compassion for that and meet people there so there's i said but there's the developmental trauma you know this around autism but it's also true around trans of people not seeing you right is profound Mm -hmm. you are not reflected as who you are it's really disorienting Mm -hmm. so you're not reflected in the gender you experience yourself in. That's all the time is really disorienting and it's hard to hold on to yourself. And if you're not, if you're, if you're given the message that you can't be met unless you, unless you behave and present in a certain neurotypical like way, then it's, you get that I am not worthy. I can't, I'm, who I am is can't be. So you, so that that's, you know, you've probably talked about the enormous anxiety of a lot of autistic people of trying to print to present, um, and what leads is the biggest contributor to burnout. And um, and there's an added piece on for trans people of doing a fairly similar thing until at some point they realize in their childhood or adulthood that that doesn't that there's another way. And if they do that, they may lose the people who are closest to them, who want them to be who they think they should be. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Again, it's, 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 it's a lot and it's, it's so complex and I really appreciate you being on the forefront of trying to present this and get it out in digestible formats because, um, it's it's such important um topic areas it's so important for people's healing and for people to um to to go through life and hopefully you know start turning things around um and and it's just it's um i'm kind of lost for for words obviously but it's just so um it's just so complex and it's hopefully that this, that you will provide, you're providing hope to, you know, loved ones, the individual that's going through it, and also uh, mental health professionals to, to try to, to rally around and, um, and help these individuals live their best lives. Um, I just wanted to plug one thing, because I just remember my um, colleague friends, um, Noah Adams, and Bridget Ling um, have a book mm-hmm. coming out very soon called Trans Autistic Stories from Life at the Intersection. So it's uh-huh. actual okay. trans autistic, other trans mm-hmm. autistic people just telling their stories rather. And mine was more educational for providers mm-hmm. and families. Right. And that's, that will be out in May. So it's soon, maybe, maybe y'all could Good. get hold. But I just want to speak like directly if there's trans autistic people listening to really I, just 
hold faith that there is a place for you and there are a lot of trans autistic people out there. They just have a hard time getting out to a place where you meet them um, and you can find folks online and just and there will be providers and to um, I hope that you can find my book or my website and some resources from there which there are resource pages and I'll give you some hope um, that some that folks can meet you and understand what's going mm -hmm. on for you absolutely so I think that this is a great note to end on as well because we had such a deep discussion I know it's a lot to process for people Thank you again, Finn Gratton, for joining us. You can find them at Gratton Psychotherapy, correct? Just to make sure that I have correct. this right. And for the rest of us, you can be sure to check us out at diffbrains.org and check their Twitter and Instagram at diffbrains. And don't forget to look for them on Facebook. If you're looking for me, you can find me on all major social media platforms at Haley Moss Art. Yes, art is still part of my name, despite the fact I finally learned to drop it from my email address. But everything else... You can find me at Haley Moss Art on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at HaleyMoss.net. And I can be found at CFIExperts.com. Please be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And don't hesitate to send questions to SpectrumlySpeaking at gmail.com. Let's keep the conversation going. Spectrumly Speaking is a production of Different Brains. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.